All right. Good enough for me. What's up, guys? It's Thursday now, meaning we are ending the last little bit of this week's WGT closest to the whole challenge as AJ's phone goes off. How could he? How could he do this to me? Well, I was trying to I was trying to retweet it. And no, I, I clicked on it I instead it. and was like, oh, I'm stupid. How do you just live life with your phone volume on? That's crazy. No, it does not. But my okay. phone is on mute at all times. Yeah, so is mine. That's what I'm saying. At all times. It's like it's like when it's like like last night I was like looking for my phone. I was like, oh, where could it be? And I'm like, well, it doesn't do me any good to have anybody call it because it's on right. mute. Anyway, what AJ could be doing with his phone is playing World Golf Tour, one of the best golf apps out there on the market, and trying to win himself a free DNVR shirt. Well, I guess he can't because he kind of works for this company. But you, yeah. you could win a free DNVR shirt by going to freewgt.com, downloading the game, going to the closest to the whole challenge, and playing this week's hole. It's congressional Hole number six of the closest to the whole challenge. Get it as close to the hole as you can. Once you've done that, just take a screenshot, send it into us at info at thednvr.com or tweet at us, DNVR Avalanche. Whoever gets the closest to the hole, which let's be honest, you guys are animals. Almost every single week, one of you gets a hole in one. Yeah. So try to knock it in the hole if you want that free DNVR shirt. But even if you're way off, still send it in because you will get a ticket into the grand prize drawing, which is Avs tickets, or if you're out of state, a jersey of your choosing. Bunch of awesome prizes. FreeWGT.com to download. Closest to the whole challenge. Congressional hole number six. Let's jump into this live show since we're in here already. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or check out online at MyGreenSolution.com and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right. We made it. We're here. I like this. You don't even need the script anymore. I got those ones down. <laughs> yeah. It's the ones I do every day. I know those pretty well. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we're just going to reminisce today about the decade that was for the Colorado Avalanche. We already talked about the all-decade team, but there's a whole lot more than just six players that go into the decade that was for the Avs. Yeah, there's like nine. Nine players. Yeah. Maybe nine notable. Yeah, and player-wise, that's fair. But, you know, there's a whole lot more <laughs> moments to talk about than that, I would say. It was pretty cool. I put out the thing on Twitter today just asking people, you know, what were some of your favorite moments and least favorite moments? And it's amazing what people will remember. There out of some 10 years out worth of yeah. hockey, the stuff that people pick out and remember. I was, I found it just fascinating. Bring him, bring him back the good and the and the bad and the, the imagine abs locked out of your <laughs> the out of your memory. That's right off the top of your head. First moment of the decade that you guys remember. Matt Duchesne over or shootout winner. Okay. Uh, game eighty two. Game eighty two is the top one. I thought you meant literally well. the first thing from this I, decade. That's oh okay. <laughs> um. That would be it then. Yeah, yeah that's, it would that's be, why I it would be like, Matt I'm Duchesne. Ready. I'm ready. With the uh, <laughs> Vancouver yeah. shootout. playoff shootout. That, oh, yeah. See, what I remember from that season is the, the Sharks' own goal in overtime. I, get, was, I was at that game. Yeah. And I just remember looking around, like, the confusion. <laughs> Everyone was like, what? Face, and we were all just like, <laughs> what just happened? Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now, but this is crazy. That entire game was ridiculous. Yeah. I, <laughs> such I a mean, beat down. Remember oh, when Craig Anderson close. was the answer? I mean, 
What a time. What a place. Yeah. I mean, talk about a great free agent signing. Yeah. Oh, hey, we're going to bring in this guy who'd been a backup in Florida. Yeah. You know, Florida, a place that could not get goaltenders for years and years and years, just lets Andy walk. And it walked right into Colorado and competed for a Vesna for one year and then fell apart in year two because he was arguing about his contract and then got himself traded. And that set the tone for the rest of his on-again, off-again career. Dude. Ooh, nice. Newhook got another goal in the Team Canada tune-up. Dude, oh. he's got to make that team now. I'm saying. I'm saying. If he doesn't make that team, I'll theoretically <laughs> cut a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the other moment was game 82. Oh, man. That's got it. The dog pile is one of the top moments of the decade for me. Absolutely. Which I missed live. Yeah. I missed live because of where we were in the building. Just on the ride down the elevator or something? Uh, I was in the, I was in the corner at that point. Okay. And so we couldn't, I could, like, I, like, I saw it up on the Jumbotron while it was happening, but I didn't actually, like, on the ice to see it just because of where you are in that corner. You know what it's like where it's. Oh, that corner sucks. I was still up in the press box, so I, I saw the whole thing. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and that locker room was just. Memorable. Yeah. Because I, I talked to Barb's all by himself, and it was just like a relief for him and everything yeah. and because he had missed like half that year and he came back for the last two games and he was on the ice for that goal he was part of the dog pile yeah he was he played a big role in those that last game so i mean i got a chance to talk to him and yeah just that entire game game 82 not sure sam gerard's ever going to shoot a puck harder than he did that first goal and yeah that was just a great game it was a great night i mean it was just the buzz leading up to it, winner take all, how they got there. Duncan Keith scoring with, what, 1.7 yeah. seconds left in regulation. To beat to the keep, Blues in that game. To yeah. keep that game from going into OT. And that was only like his second goal of the season or something. It was so random. All the little things that broke Colorado's way Tyson, that week. The Tyson Berry offsides call. Or I guess the review where it looked like it could have been, yeah. but there just wasn't enough pixels in there to show it. So you never yeah. know. What was it? What was it that we all learned about that night? The parallax or something? Yeah, parallax angle, where if your foot's off the ice or whatever. Yeah, it it was interesting. I, it's funny because like in my head with the nostalgia factor tied into that Miko's dive into the pile is like a perfect swan dive yeah. and then you go back and watch it and it's this like ugly flop onto yeah. a bunch of other dudes <laughs> but yeah but yeah it, to be honest that moment almost signifies the abs entering into the new era that they're bringing into this next decade oh it totally does so like that was like them kicking open the door of an of a this era of avalanche hockey yeah and it was great. I mean, Jake Allen was hurt in that game. Like he like pulled his hamstring or something, yep. and they wouldn't he just would not come out. You know, they lost Tarasenko in the first period to a shoulder injury. Like everything went Colorado's way. Everything, pretty much. It was awesome. The opposite of last year's game seven, kind of. Yeah, but. That's maybe a time for another pod. I do want to bring it back a little bit towards the start of the decade. Let's talk about Patrick Waugh, game one. Knocks down the divider Mm -hmm. between him and uh, Boudreaux. Yeah, Yeah. Boudreaux. Bruce Boudreaux. Two dudes that did not like each other. I mean, he never did something like that again, but that kind of set the tone for 
the whole organization over the next couple of years in angry Patrick Wamo, didn't it? That's not even my Boudreaux memory of the decade in Pepsi Center. Really? Yeah, no, it was uh we were I was standing next to JJ uh after a game <laughs> and uh Boudreaux had come and they had a their their locker room door they had a booth propped open by a trash can and Boudreaux came by and just rocketed that he kicked it so hard and it just and we were we were like maybe five feet away from it and all of a sudden this trash can just goes flying in front of us and we were just like and the uh the 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 guy who tells us like when we're allowed to go and not to go into the locker room was like that was boudreaux (laughs) nice but yeah that's the atmosphere i think that was mckinnon's first game yeah. Yeah. What do you have? He had at least two assists, if I remember correctly. Honestly, I don't remember. All, all I remember is it was the Ducks when they were good, and they blew them out, and it reminded me so much of the night uh, of Duchesne's debut in, in 2009 when they, when they beat San Jose. Yeah. It blew them out, too. I was at both those games. Yeah, the yeah. atmosphere was crazy. I mean, the whole wah thing started with, with Corey Perry who was like squirting water at the as bench. Yeah, it was just, like yeah, filling people's gloves with water and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it was like typical like Corey exactly Perry stuff. Exactly, Corey like, Perry. Like yeah. small stuff that you're just like, like what are you like seven? Like come on. Yeah. That entire game was. That was. I mean, you look at the as forward core now, but. And it's awesome, but that year, as bad as their defense was, that team was deep to start the year up yeah. front. Well, that I mean, we've talked about it uh, on the All Decade Pod a couple of days yeah. ago that 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 forward core. Yeah. Like if you had to pick a forward core from a team, if you were trying to build like the the ultimate abs like super team of the decade, that would be like that top six is probably where you would start. You're taking probably three of the four centers off of that team at least. I mean... I'll, you might I'll, play him at wing, but... Well, it might Riley be his wing that year. Right, yeah. and, and like McKinnon started on their third line as the right wing. Yep. Like, that was a... That was a team, man. That Those forwards. And it was all homegrown, except for PA. Yeah. And then... They drafted all those guys. And Parento had career year, so... Yeah. They, it, it really panned out pretty well. Uh, we're I was going to get to this, but uh, Aaron just mentioned it. We got to talk about some of the bad moments too. And he starts off with the Valentine's Day massacre of 2011. Yeah, yeah the the Forsberg. Yeah, the end. Will of he the won't try he? again? Yeah. <laughs> See, that that's less painful for me because I was on vacation that week. Yeah, and so I was in Tennessee playing video games, and nice. I was very drunk that day <laughs> and so i don't remember any of that i did not i did not do that i did not go to that i nothing I, it, it was a, a lifetime away so i have like the valentine's day massacre was awful for everybody that went and was and watched it and was involved for me i was too far away i was totally removed yeah. from that one. i didn't go but i do remember because Forsberg came back. I think first game was against Columbus, I want to say, in Columbus. And it was just like, eh, he doesn't, doesn't look that good, but he'll figure it out. He's Peter Forsberg. And then and then in Nashville. The, yeah, and then you get the news. He's he's done. He's done. And then, yeah. oh, we got a game that night. And I think I turned it off like halfway through. I was like, I can't watch this. This is this is too bad. But And then they won like, what, two or th- – they didn't win a lot of games the rest of the year. That was just the downward spiral. No, because that, that they also made the that same 
that same trip that I was on, I believe, was when they made the Eric Johnson deal in the middle of the night. Yeah. And I think the only two wins that they had the rest of the season were against the Blues. Yeah. Because Eric scored. Johnson was like, I'm going to beat yeah. this team. <laughs> He's he like, we, the are, winner. Yeah. we are not losing to these guys. Is that the year they traded for Elliot, too? It was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was because that year started out really well. That was the year Fleischman and Duchesne looked like they were going to be an awesome yeah, tandem. And then Fleischman the, was a thing for 20 minutes. There. Yeah, and then he had the health issues. And, then, blood it was just, yeah. and then that was the year Chris Stewart punched a guy's helmet and his crew. Chris Stewart playing hockey last night. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that was a sidebar there. It was but, funny yeah. because a lot of people realized it at about the same time on Twitter, <laughs> and everybody was like, Chris Stewart? Yeah. That Chris Stewart? And then that him punching the helmet leads to him, you know, I obviously – what happened from there but i mean that was started out a promising year they were winning a lot of games and then it just like went downhill fast it's crazy to look that they sold high on chris stewart yeah like the right he was he was the biggest piece in that trade at the time yeah when they traded him out for ej he was a 27 goal scorer who's like he was what like 24 years old or something like that like right in the heart of his prime and you look at the trajectories of EJ and Shattenkirk from there, and it's like, oh, yeah, not even close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, that was uh, that's really my only memory that I had from that year. I mean, we could do a whole like all decade trade. Yeah, I was gonna get to some trade and decision moments a little bit later okay, on. Well, that, that well, we'll let's get do into. that later. Though. Yeah, right. Because I got one I was gonna bring up too, but yeah, I mean that entire year because that's the year they got Landis Cog. That year led to Landis Cog. So I mean, every bad year has led to something good, at least for the uh, most part. Yeah, I mean, really, they you you look at the worst top ten pick they made was Tyson Jost. And, Top ten, yeah, sure. Uh, at eleven, that changes pretty fast. But <laughs> well, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't specifically do that. Uh, just that yeah. top ten is like the line that you draw, right? Like right. Duncan Siemens would be the worst lottery pick they made, definitely. Yeah, but um, you know, and Jost, NHL player, like certainly not what we were all hoping that he would become. But like, is a solid, reliable night in, night out guy. Where you're just like, whatever. Like he's he's fine as a depth forward. Um, you know, this whole like trade Tyson Jost because he's terrible thing is silly. Like trade Tyson Jost because you're gonna get a great player. Fine, like cool. But pretty impressive there. You know that all all the bad years like led to something. Like they did a good job. Of it's all paying off at some point. Making the, the first, part. like they, you know, we talk about. Oh well, they can't, they can't draft out of the second round and beyond, and it's been a total disaster. But they crushed the first round for like a decade. You know, you look across the entire decade, and as of right now, they only really have what you would say three busts, and there's a big asterisk next to Joey Hishin. Yeah, yep. I remember ranting in year. I was like, that's the guy I want. I don't think they're going to take him. And then they took him, and it was just like, whoa, they did it. And it's worked and, out, I think. Well, and, like, <laughs> the the guy that they were going to take if, if Ranting and wasn't there was Matt Barzal. And they also loved Kyle Connor. So, and so it was like they had it figured out. They were good. Well, when you go back and you look at that draft, a lot of oh, hits. Like, if you didn't pick Lawson Krause, you're doing okay. Reshaped the NHL. Yeah. 2003 all over again, kind of. Yeah. There. Um, 
Wow. Except for Arizona, who yeah, they took st- Dylan Strom and traded for Boston Yeah, Krause. brutal. Um, While we're on this air, I had to bring up one one moment. Uh, when Joe Sacco got fired, um, because I didn't think it was going to happen. They kind of like sat through it a lot, and I remember exactly where I was when I read the news, and I was like, oh, finally some change is starting to come here. And, you know, they brought in Juan. That's what kind of started that, at least for one year, the – you know, re-energizing of the franchise because it was it was rough for a while there. Well, and, and Sacco interesting because it's obvious he's a quality coach of yeah, some he's, kind. He's had a good assistant career. Was he right? Boston for yeah, a while he's now? been yeah. Boston's yeah. defensive coach for like years now, and like that's been a good group forever. They made the Cup Finals last year, <laughs> and I mean. You, had a good coach, like a quality like guy that, and you go back and you actually look at the analytics of those teams. They're pretty good, and they were they were the best of the decade until Bedner showed up. Yeah, those were the best analytics, like underlying stats. Like those were the best teams that they had, and it showed. Like Joe Sacco was a quality coach. His players just hated him. Yeah. He had no communication skills whatsoever, and it was a great example and and of how teams hire the opposite. Because they go, you know, you want, you're like, this didn't work. You, we see something it in, else. We yeah. see it in football all the time. Yeah. Yep. Where, you know, oh, we hired a defensive coach. Well, now we're hiring an offensive coach. Then that guy gets fired. It's like, we've got to bring in a defensive mastermind. <laughs> Ooh, and they just go back and forth all the time. And with, with Sacco, they were like, this guy cannot communicate with his players. His X's and O's might be fine, but he just his players. They there's no. It's it's all it's bad. not even a conversation. Like this yeah. is all toxic, and yeah. then they bring in a guy who, from junior hockey, straight from junior, the X's and O's aren't really there, and never really got there, but believed in him as a coach, bought into the message, and bought into all that, and was a communicator and was a quote unquote players coach, at least for the first half of his tenure. And then things got a little rockier at the end, but it was definitely interesting how like they went opposite. And then at the end of the decade, with their third hire, got the right mix. Best of both worlds. Exactly. Kinda, yeah. Got got a good communicator who clearly understands the the NHL game. Well, shout out Antoine, man. That's rough. Drove fourteen hours for my first NHL game. Left Nova Scotia to watch the Abs lose ten to one against Montreal. <laughs> I can drink to that, buddy. So uh, I think he was probably drinking that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope you were drinking a Breckenridge Brewery, like a Colorado Core, for example, like Evan Evan is sipping on right now. I'm just behind the hat now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look! It's a delicious beer. That's all I'm gonna say about it. I know AJ's not a fan of the the hybrid half cider half beer yeah, thing going on cider, he just wants a real cider i to be honest breck probably makes a cider i don't even know so try they make, that they make so much stuff. i know they have so i keep finding new ones like i'll roll up to my liquor store and i'll just be like okay what's the random breck brew that they have today i stole my fiance's idea of an advent calendar for them and tweeted at them and they liked that idea. nice yeah get in there one of each of their beers for the 25 days of christmas right. or whatever that sounds awesome Get on that. Um, but yeah, Breck Make Brew. Make your own advent calendar. <laughs> Breck Brew, they've got the Colorado Core. they got the Avalanche, which I was talking about last night because they won. They've got the Vanilla Porter Jr. If you're into the Nuggets, someone was shouting out the Nuggets from Australia. You might have some trouble getting Breck Brew out there. That's a little, a little far to get it to. But if you ever come to the States, try some Breck Brew. Also, be sure to check out 
our Breckenridge event calendar on the DNVR.com. Our next watch party is the 18th. I'll be there. Evan might be there. Still working it out, yeah. AJ will not be there because he'll be at the game like a cool kid. But I'll be there drinking Breck Brew. You can be there drinking Breck Brew. And hopefully the Avs will be winning there. So come hang out. Have a good time with us. Second period of this podcast with Rudo, AJ, Evan. We've talked about some of the moments. I do want to get in. Are there any other bad moments that you have in your mind from this decade? Because there are more than a few. Seriously. Imagine Avs. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> it was something else entirely. The, so that felt to me like the Avs' first foray into what was social media culture and things yeah. like that. And it was just a disaster. I, the O-Face. Yeah. Screen. <laughs> right. I liked that they uh they previewed it or they, they like teased it as like this big thing. It's like a documentary type yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and you know, back then uh I was at Mile High Hockey with the old gang and, and we were you know, I remember Cole Hamilton being like, Oh, they're using the they're using the HBO like fuzzy screen like teaser. He was like, Oh, they're gonna have a it's gonna be like a documentary following the team in the second half of the season. And Adrian Dater took that so personally he like refuted it and was like whatever blogger speculation out there exists that there's going to be a documentary is absolutely untrue and it was so like 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 because i remember cole had like put this thing together and was like oh this is like a fun like this would be a really cool idea right and ad was like no <laughs> absolutely not not on my watch and it was just like dude it's not that serious come on guy it was just it was very i just remember that because it was like i thought it was such a cool idea it's such a cool like like cole had like put it together like put these pieces together yeah. and it was a fun like oh this is like a fun conspiracy idea conspiracy theory yeah, style and, yeah and then ad was like no and then it ended up being imagine abs and it was like <laughs> this whole thing was a huge waste of time <laughs> i don't even know if i've made it through the whole video like i had to stop i made it quickly. through the first time i watched it i'm not a very culturally aware music person so like they would go through the song and it'd be like okay that's Landy that's Duchesne and then it'd show the guy from Imagine Dragons like beating the drummer or whoever and I'd be like who the hell is that? It's <laughs> Keith. That's Cal Keith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was their intro song all year, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I guess that made sense. But the whole video, like, you look at it and, like, what the hell were they trying to do? Like, I don't even get it. <laughs> like, it's just a video. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And the idea, like, you you think back on, like, who was involved in that video now, and you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Bring it up tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, you remember this? I was actually going to go I was gonna go talk to Landon and be like, hey, we did a bunch of all-decade stuff, and <laughs> you were involved in a ton of these memories. Yeah. See if he had any thoughts on it. I should ask him about Imagine Abs. Can we, like, have the rights to that song for one podcast so I can make it the opener to the audio version? Please don't. (laughs) Um, A lot of people saying Nino Niederreiter. I I was I was avoiding it. Yeah, with all I know. my personal history with Nino and that moment and how that ping still resonates in like the worst, like darkest I, I, corners of my heart. Somewhere like, inside me broke, and I think that's why I started counting posts in my life. It's because of that ping. I'm I still hear it, man, and it was just. I was twelve rows behind Varley when oh. that went in. And I was just like, uh eh. 
<laughs> I just sat there. I was like, maybe it didn't go in. I don't know. Just I lo- still I haven't watched that goal. The first two posts then. in the OT didn't go in. So yeah, I, I uh, that game was just. Cheryl and I were going to get tickets to that game, and we decided we did not want to be there if they lost. Yeah, and we were sitting in the living room of our house, and when that that puck went in, I just got up. I didn't say anything. I didn't react. I just got up. I walked downstairs. I put headphones on, and it was like like the loudest, angriest music that I could tolerate for like the next six hours while I just played <laughs> very violent video games all night. <laughs> Give me some. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I've just got to get this out of my system. I'm I'm gonna do this as as healthy a way as I know how. I won't say anything to anybody. I won't physically do anything. I won't break anything this time around. I will go on the internet and be a horrific rage monster <laughs> in video games. It, yeah, that it was painful for me because I had spent the earlier parts of the decade as like the only hockey fan that I knew. Mm-hmm. And by then I had finally like found a couple of friends that actually watched hockey and enjoyed the abs. And we all got together for the game and EJ scored the go-ahead goal with, like, four minutes left or whatever it was. And we all were, like, jumping up and going crazy and running around the house like, oh, my God, they're going to do it. And then it all fell apart, and it was just like – The Jared Spurgeon – yeah, as as Varley overplayed it like crazy. Yep. Yeah, they blew four leads in that game. Yeah, like they that. got the lead yeah. four times and threw it away. Yeah, that was a rough one. <laughs> not, <laughs> not a great time. Um, Honestly, after that, there isn't like like I mean, the the ten to one game, the ten to one, uh, game, yeah. the entire forty eight point season, really. Yeah. The Zach Parise on opening night. Yeah, I was gonna Pat say the, trick. Yeah. Well, I was gonna. Yeah, is that the one where they blew? They were up four to one. And they yep. blew, and then that's that was Waz last year, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. That that uh, also um, the last Minnesota Avs game of the of Waz tenure in Pepsi Center. Uh, they were fighting for a playoff spot and going oh, into that wow. game. And I said, this game is going to define Patrick Waugh's coaching career in Colorado. They're either going to win it, they're going to make a run to the postseason, and he's going to turn this thing around, or they're going to lose it, and he'll be the guy who couldn't beat Minnesota. I mean, as a as a player, couldn't do it. And career ended against Minnesota, and essentially as a head coach, only playoff appearance and lost to Minnesota, and last meaningful regular season game he ever coached for the Avs, lost to Minnesota. They got shut out. Don't understand how the greatest goaltender of all time ended up being property of the Minnesota Wild, but they own him. If we're talking about defining moments in Waz's career, I have a weird random one for that. I can't even remember what game it was. I can't even remember I think I know who scored the goal. I'm not. I don't think <laughs> you do. Random game. Nate Gennon scores an own goal. That's just me. That's my Nate Gennon impression. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> very accurate. Pointing. Yes. The general <laughs> Nate Gennon ends up scoring an own goal. And you see him just go down to his knees on the ice and, like, curl up into a ball. And just, he looks like for about a couple seconds, he's just about to have a breakdown on the ice. And he gets up and skates off. And it was like, yeah, that's how this feels with this team through the whole, after the 13-14 season, every year was like that. And for whatever reason, that just stuck with me is what, that defined that section of Avs history to me. And then you have the 16-17 season, which... 
that we even want to talk about that at all besides the 10 one. I mean, it happened. Yeah. Yeah. My one weird wall one is the Zach Redman 2 2. Not happening yeah. In Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, and it's like all on camera. Was... In Winnipeg. Yep. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I mean, 48-point season was just – outside of there was a two-game stretch in that season where Z, the game where Z took over Winnipeg and destroyed everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the next game was Miko a hat trick. Mm-hmm. And then I think Miko laid on Z's leg like a week later, <laughs> and then it was just like, ugh. But, yeah, that the rest of that season was just brutal. And no, no point in even talking about it. Okay, I'm comfortable with that. The Blake away. <laughs> the best version of the Blake away is whoever made the the gif of Landy when he stepped in front of whoever was injured on the bench. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they just have him. They like shopped it over the Blake yeah. away, so you can't see what's actually happening. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. I've seen that version. It's very good. Yeah, that's that's the best way to sum up the whole sixteen seventeen season is Landeskog just covering it up. Don't worry about it. Luckily, yeah. there's been a lot of good moments from that point on. So yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> the draft day. Yeah, you know, Kale McCarr, Connor Timmins. They have to feel good about how it turned out, what they did with the draft that year, and it worked out. Yeah, lose the lottery, win the draft. Yeah, the I would I do want to get into some of the best decisions of the decade, and Mac Daddy says one of the best moments was hiring Joe Sackick as GM. That, as it turned out, yeah, definitely debatable for the first no, few years. You, you want to know one of the best things that they ever did is when they hired Chris McFarland as the AGM. Yeah, now because he came in and he was he helped build the pushback to Patrick Waugh's obsessive, you know, go get the vets exactly. All the time, win man. now, win now, win now. Come on, come on, come on, win now. Go, 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 go get me another thirty-five-year-old defenseman. Uh, you know, on the last legs of his career, you know that. McFarland helped turn it around. And when you talk about the success of the Matt Duchesne trade, you remember he McFarland played a huge role in the Rick Nash trade for Columbus. You know, his experience uh, helped them in that situation, having lived through that, having the patience to say, look, you'll get what you want. Eventually these teams, they, they fall in love with the player. They have to have him. And as much as as much as Joe Sackett gets tons of credit and absolutely deserves to, bringing in Chris McFarland was a very very good thing and has helped change. You know, he you look at the the area in which he plays a role in the organization, and it's an area in the organization that has done very well. And there's a reason that I think in the next when when this team now that this team has kind of arrived, and if it has some postseason success. I honestly, I were two years maybe less away from Chris McFarland getting a GM job. He interviewed for the Minnesota job last summer for a reason, and that won't be the last time. It will not be the last time he does that. Yeah, well, I expected Mac Daddy to say taking Nathan McKinnon first when that wasn't <laughs> such a clear cut decision back then. Um, that would be one I would think of. Another one would be not firing Jared Bednar after you have a forty eight point season and showing some patience. Yeah, definitely. That one's worked out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, McKinnon is the one, you know, Seth Jones is an awesome player. You know what? There's a really interesting alternate universe out there where they have Sasha Barkov, and maybe they're just as good. Yeah. And he's he's awesome, too. The only one that would have probably screwed that up is a Druin yeah. if they had yeah. taken him. But, yeah, I mean, McKinnon, you know, I hope 
we're at the point now where it's just Avs fans just hopefully are not taken for granted. They're watching one of the three best players in the world on a nightly basis. He's just that good. And it took a while to get there, but that was absolutely the right decision. Yeah, and a lot of credit to Patrick Waugh. You know, we this pod so far hasn't been particularly kind to him, <laughs> but he walked in and was like, we're taking Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I actually said in my video the other night where the Avs beat the Flyers, that second goal they scored, I was like, this is pretty routine for McKinnon and Rantanen. And mm-hmm. you go back and watch it, and McKinnon beats the guy to the outside, pulls up, makes a pass through his legs, while Rantanen is holding off the dude's stick with his leg and gets his stick in between his own legs to hold the shot and just tip it in. Mm-hmm. And it's it, super high-end yeah, stuff that a, they make look routine. It's a minute of absurdity to go, oh, yeah, they just do that. It's fine. Right. And Patrick Waugh, Joe Sackick... Chris McFarland has built this team, the good and the bad. This is where they are now because of those guys, and it's all good. It is now, yeah. It, it took mean, some even, bad to get there. You even but. look at the defense. There are people who right. are, oh, like, the Avs need to go get a top four defenseman. and Nonsense. They don't need one. They're missing Kale McCarr and Eric Johnson. They're still winning games. Yep. 7-0-1 without EJ right now, I think. Like... Is that you? Is that your burner that tweets no, that answers on every YouTube video? <laughs> every YouTube video, someone links the Avs record without EJ. So no, I don't. it's weird. It's one of the weirdest things uh, that this decade gave us was Avs Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like true. Avs like social media, the, the following. social culture. Yeah, and and the way that like every year there's like a designated whipping boy. Yep, and like and this is like no different from other teams or cultures or anything like that. Just Twitter. <laughs> right. It's exactly. I mean, you're, and you're dating all the way back to Arneson at this point. Well, because, like, you know, Twitter should have been, like, the ultimate, like, sports bar where you go in and you and, like, just a bunch of random people who all love the same stuff are really excited. And instead, there are people who regularly, like, weaponize it to tweet at all of us about how dumb and how terrible Nikita Zadorov is every night, regardless of what happens on the ice. And, like, there are, there are like, dedicated Twitter accounts to, like, hating on players. Yeah. Like, if I dare say something about Tyson Jost, the same people will get upset and, like, respond to it. And if I say something about basically, like, any of these players You know players exactly are, which section of Avs fandom you're diving ex- into. Exactly. <laughs> like, there, you see something bad about Eric Johnson, the same five people will be like, EJ is a perfect human being. How dare you? And then there will be, like, the same five people who will be like, got to get out from that contract. It's a terrible contract. <laughs> and it's just – it's such a unique, like – like the way that the community has sort of developed over the years, it's been really interesting yeah. to just be a part of and and to see it's you know, some good, some bad, some really annoying. Like the people who only like Jared Bednar sucks and like don't like to tweet when the abs win games, but after they win a game, it's well, it's the same old abs. And you're just like, dude. Who's the top dog of abs Twitter? 
Anthrax Jones. Okay. That's, that's the answer I thought. And I only use this to say the top dog electrician here in Denver is Piper Electric. Nice. And they have been serving the Denver metro area since 1983 through a commitment to customer service and team performance. Piper Electric is the hometown electrical contractor you can trust. If you call 303-646-6765, they'll give you the DNVR hookup and you'll save 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with a top professionalism in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you have to call 303-64-6765 to receive 20% off that next service call. I was sitting very uncomfortably. Yeah. Like sideways in I know. I was, like, I'd keep looking over and you'd be like looking at me, uh, not the camera. But <laughs> Yeah, I've been ignoring our people. My bad. It's all right. We got you pulled up here. We're, we're answering your questions. I want to get into some of these trade conversations, both the good and the bad. Oh, it's such a good... Yeah, Antoine... Antoine kind of brought us to this topic as he talks about Ryan Graves for Chris Begras. At the time of move, nobody made much of. And so, like, Matt Duchesne, best trade of the decade. We're cool with that? I'd say by a good wide margin. Of yes. the big trades that they made, is Ryan O'Reilly the worst? What What else constitutes a big trade? The Chris Stewart trade? Yeah, Eric, the Eric Johnson deal was yeah. definitely a big right. trade. Sure, sure. Um, Varley the the O'Reilly trade. deal. The Varley deal, you give up a first and a second round pick for that. That's definitely a big deal. Um, Nazem Kadri, Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry, yeah. Ask me again at the end of this season if Sodorov keeps playing like this. I would say it's it's the worst, but that doesn't mean it's a bad trade. But the, that's Would you say it's, it's worse than the EJ deal? Because the Avs only ended up getting EJ out of that. Like, Jay McClement was like a two-year guy and walked. There, the the other big piece was the first rounder, which turned into Duncan Siemens, which turned into him being on the wrong end of a playoff highlight real goal from Philip Forsberg, that, and that was kind of it. That's hard to judge, right? Because draft management is not the trade's fault, right? But like ultimately, the deal you at the end of the day, the O'Reilly deal didn't yield much in terms of they had the top, you know, they ended up with the top pick in the second round, traded down, got. Multiple picks out of it. We got two second round picks out of it that did nothing. That, you know, AJ well, Greer and Cam Morrison so far have not accomplished anything. You know, it's interesting because I think the emergence of Tyson Berry made the EJ trade a lot better, right? Because the player that Kevin Shattenkirk ended up becoming was in the same vein as a Tyson Berry. Yeah. And that EJ, more defensive ability, was what fit in with the abs much better. Right. I just. All they got was EJ. And I say, like, all they got. Like, not that EJ was not a substantial piece as a number one defenseman on for a franchise so, that didn't have one for his prime, and which they unfortunately ended up just not accomplishing anything yeah, they in. kind of wasted his prime. They yeah. Completely did, I would say. Uh, I guess division title. What is EJ more valuable than Nikita Zorov? Nikita Zadorov? And JT Comfer, because that's essentially what the Avs got out of the, the Buffalo EJ, trade. I would say, yeah. Like, if you put Prime EJ on this team, you'd be thinking a lot differently. I mean, Prime EJ on this team? Yeah. That's a Stanley Cup would, winning defense. <laughs> it would be it would be a top-tier defense. Yeah. So, I mean, I wrote his piece for our top 50, mm-hmm. and a lot of people forgot he was an all-star 
for that one year and yeah. his when his knee ended, exploded yeah he was on pace for like 20 goals a year yeah. yeah so he had some very very high-end years the problem is the abs just didn't i love jan Heda, but that was his partner like some an old aging defenseman for it took three, until he was years. about 29 for them to get him a real partner yeah so ej was a very very good defenseman in the abs unfortunately just we're not built properly when they got him and they just did not build it properly so we would agree then that they of all the big deals that they moved they didn't really blow any of them i wouldn't no, i wouldn't I, say they blew any of them because they still got good pieces out of yeah even the worst trade what you would consider the, the worst trade so i mean it's two different situations right they essentially had to move o'reilly Yes. Whereas with the Chris Stewart, Kevin Shattenkirk deal, there was no forcing them to do it based on contract negotiations. Right. There were other things that happened. We got. Has there ever been a trade in the middle of the night like that since then? Because I remember when that happened. I was like, what is. It's like midnight right now. I wrote the story on MHH. Because I was. I was. Again, be awake. In Tennessee on vacation and drunk (laughs) and was like. They just traded for Eric Johnson? <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> it was so crazy. And it, yeah, it was just completely random because Chris Stewart, as fans, loved him at the time. Yeah. So well, and just coming, I think he was coming off a 27-goal season, and he was a power forward. Shaddenkirk had like 12 points in his first 12 games with the Az or something like yeah. that. Or something. Had just destroyed his face by taking a puck to it, but... <laughs> yeah. I remember this, the, his ugly face, because he took a like a puck right to the bridge of the nose. But well, and EJ had lost all of his teeth right before he got yeah, traded to right, the Evs too. Exactly. The, yeah. the trademark EJ smile did not exist until right before that deal. EJ with Taylor Hall's teeth <laughs> that was great. People were calling out my thirsty tweet, and then you that you posted that, and I was like, one of these things is way more dangerous than the other. I should have I should have posted the one that had Taylor Hall's entire mouth. Yeah, that one was that just was, terrifying. It was yeah. horrifying. That's why I was like, I don't want to do this to people. <laughs> um, Stuart and Duchesne had good chemistry, mm, I guess. Stuart, I mean, it was Stuart and Stasny. Yeah, that's what I thought, chemistry. too. Yeah, Stasny had chemistry with everyone. Though. Duchesne had was chemistry that, with no one for a lot of his yeah. time. Was that maybe the biggest, like the worst non-move that they made? Letting just Stasny just go? I think so. I mean, it's it, a tough hi- conversation. Hindsight's twenty twenty because they got knocked out in the first round. Right? Yeah, but but at the same time, the argument that I always make is find me a team in first place in first place that trades its number one center. You, I go into a little bit of fantasy land with this one, but. If you imagine the Avs didn't have their internal cap structure, what if O'Reilly didn't hold out? What if they had those extra couple of million? They potentially could have paid Stastny. Yeah. I Well, and so a couple of things that I have learned over the years. Um, they had a Stastny deal on the deal uh, on the table at that trade deadline for yeah. Ryan Kessler straight up. And at the that time, interesting. remember at the time, Kessler was still a stud for the Canucks, but he had two years left on his deal versus the one year that Stasny had left. So it was a pending UFA for a guy with a year left. Like So it would have been, you know, it was easy to understand that. There was also, um, when Stasny got to free agency, he told the Avs, hey, I'd like to come back. Yeah, like, I'll, I'm going to go get the best offer I can get. I'm going to come back, and if you guys are willing to match this, then I'll stay. They did. Uh, he did that. They were willing to match the same exact offer that he took from the Blues, and he went to St. Louis anyway. 
liked his hometown, I guess. And like, I don't blame the guy. Yeah, I've yeah, never right. been mad at him. It's I've never held that again. That's a one hundred percent in a player's right to do that when you get to free agency. That's what the whole thing was existing. Been to do. locked up for seven years. I it's mean, just yeah. it's just interesting to look back and be like, how how different might history be? Because we see with Kessler, he signed a huge extension when he got traded to the Ducks, and his body completely broke down. Stasny was such a weird because he was kind of a whipping boy back in the day too. Uh, just because he was well, making, local media at the time, a lot of money at the time, and. Well, because you yeah. remember when he signed the extent that extension, his career numbers were identical to Andre Kopitar's, and then Kopitar ended up going like this, and Stasny just kind of went like this. Yeah, I think in college I brought a a sign to a game that's it was an Avs Pittsburgh game. This is Stasny greater than sign Malkin. That was pretty. Dumb. A lot of faith. <laughs> uh, college is a whale of a time. Yeah. Av fan for life says, "Love the pods." Did you think it was a good idea to sign Iggy after Staz walked? I didn't mind it, and I still like. We talk about that contract because of how it ended, but like they got what they wanted out of Jerome Ginla. The first year, especially. Well, the first two years, they got twenty goals. I think he scored twenty nine and twenty seven goals those first two years. He led the team in points that first year. I mean, like, and and he was. Uh, this close to an empty net goal on yeah. game 82 against yeah. the Chicago to Blackhawks to get the 20th yeah. to get the 30 goal season oh, 30? that they had okay. not yeah. had in many many years yeah. and now of course like 30 goal scores are just dropping out of the sky for the abs <laughs> but back then it was like a big deal i don't have i never had a problem with the againla deal it, they got what they wanted out of him um but they just did not properly they were not in a position to do what they did he needed to go somewhere where they should have actually can, won if you have something to say on Iggy, you can you can get your point in. But I do want to expand this conversation to best free agent signing of the decade. Well, what I was going to say about Iggy is that it's still surreal to me that he was on this team. Yeah, like I remember going to that training camp and be like, "This is insane. This, this guy's, guy's an guy's automatic Hall of Famer." Yeah. I mean, my first year covering the team, I walk into the room and I'm like, "I'm going to go be best friends with Jerome Ginla now because <laughs> I'm not a moron." <laughs> and he was amazing to talk to, and to this day, one of the best guys. Best free agent signing. I would have to. I, I didn't even like think about that stuff coming into this, so I would have to think about it. Um, boy, that's a tough one. Do you got anything? Not off the top of my head, honestly. Free agency has not been kind. Based on this season, it might be Matt Calvert. It realistically could be. Yeah, they're. I mean, P.A. Parento was really good too. He was for those two years. Yeah. Well, year and a half, really, but. Another um, underrated deal that I'm, I'm remembering now, the Jamie McGinn deal. Yeah. Right. Before his McGinn back jersey. blew up, it was yeah. that was very, very solid. Yeah, McGinn, Galliardi just... Did nothing. No. Well, and remember, San Jose loved him because San Jose had to play against him in that playoff series in yeah. 2010. And so they were like, oh, my God, this guy's a gem. And they get Jamie McGinn for him, and McGinn ends up being the, the prize in that deal. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Winnick... They got him for next to nothing, and he was, it was like a fourth rounder yeah, or something. He was a yeah, player. Um, he's since played for almost every team in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that Just, dude got around. Yeah, uh, great in shot metrics because he would shoot, but he couldn't shoot. Like he yeah. couldn't score. The one always what if moment I always thought about was because uh, there was always the idea that it came out if if the Avs didn't match. O'Reilly's that Calgary wouldn't even get him because the whole waiver thing would come. He would have gone to Columbus. You know, I 
do you take the picks? Do you take? Do you match? Yeah, I mean, how do you? And you couldn't even imagine sorting out what the abs would look like with all those picks. Monahan and <laughs> well, and the pick was the pick was Monahan, and like, would the abs have taken Monahan with with McKinnon and Duchesne? Yeah, can't imagine they would. But I'd have to go back and look at that draft class again and be like, hmm, what would have made sense? But yeah. I don't even like. I still, in the back of my mind, think that the NHL would have stepped in and be like, "I don't know about this." Yeah, but I don't always, think. I also don't think the NHL would have allowed it. I that I just popped in my head. I mean, I was at that game the day that the offer sheet was signed because they played Calgary. Yeah, that yeah. Night, and yeah. that was actually that was such a that was the lockout year. Nothing really happened. That was memorable, but that was a fun game. There was a lot, there was a great atmosphere because it came out during the game that the abs are matching it. And then the crowd was going crazy. And the because well, he signed the offer sheet. Yeah. And then like, it was like an intermission interview with Greg Sherman after like the first period where he was like, we're matching it. And if they want to act like that, then that's their business where you were like, Greg Sherman just got Canadian sassy. <laughs> um, one more, one other thing we talked about before we had this show a while back was one-hit wonders of the decade for the Avs. There were a couple of good ones there. I was going to say Joel Colburn's hat trick on opening night. Yeah, that's a really good one. That one it sticks out to me just because I remember tweeting out before that game. Joel Colburn has worked super duper hard, and I am I just want as a media member any excuse to talk to him after the game. <laughs> nice. So I hope he has a good night. That tweet still exists. You can still go find it. Perfect. And he goes out and he has a hat trick, and it was like, huh. All right. Maybe the abs have something here. The hamburglar. The hamburglar coming in, winning game five. The game. And in that vein, I mean, he stayed for a couple of years, but after Andrew Ghetto was acquired and it looked like he was just going to be like the superstar playing next to McKinnon. You could make, I mean, you could make a list of those guys. Yeah. Tomas Fleischman, Peter Mueller, Sven Andrew Ghetto. They had, and Mikhail Bodker was almost a point per game guy after they got him at the deadline. Like, they got deadline guys, like, the one that they absolutely needed the most was Derek Brassard, and, and he gave them work the at all. <laughs> Jordan Curran. That, uh, <laughs> does that even count? Eh. It was amazing. On the first line. <laughs> they went, the, the way that they just got worse, In, in they went from Ryan Smith to Kyle Quincy to Max Talbot, or to Steve Downey just to Max Talbot. Working to, that piece down to, Jordan to the Curran least amount you possibly could. Slowly over time, they just got worse and worse and worse, and it was like... Jesus, just take the picks. Uh, Borna Rendelich scored an NHL goal with the Avs. How was that? That was the New Year's game. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. Sam Henley scored an NHL goal. In his only for game. The Avs, in his only game. Against Columbus. And it was five-hole. the weakest turnaround shot from the blue line random event that's ever happened. Yep. Does he even play hockey? No. He actually, great story. Um, I mean, not great, but like a heartwarming-ish story. Uh, retired to take care of a sick dad. Okay. Yep. That's good. Well, not good. Right, but like <laughs> like a, a story where you're like, ah, good dude. You're bringing back all these men. I got to bring it up. Dennis Everberg, he was just a golden, Foreverberg. golden yeah. god. Way better than Martinson ever was. You like look at him and then you hear him talk. Oh, yeah, 
I like to play hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Very surprising voice on that guy, yeah. for sure. Very divisive. Well, People hated him in his first year, and then, like, some of us liked him, and he went backwards. Like, his second year was a total mess, and you were like... And then the second he, year, yeah, he was just in the AHL. Most yeah, of the Martinson year. stole his job, basically, and then he went to the SHL and was, like, the top scorer in that league the next yeah. year. So... And now I think he tried to come back and bounced around in the AHL yeah. a little bit. Yeah, they. It was weird because when Wash showed up, they were like, "Europe exists." <laughs> it was like all of a sudden, like the barriers got broken down. They started drafting from Europe. Yep. They signed a ton of European free agents. They signed like five of them in like two years. Andre Moranov was here. He existed for a brief I mean, moment in time. A fourth round pick on an overage guy coming off a KHL All Star season. Like, that's, made a lot of sense. He came over, and it was just like, oh. The masseuses just weren't hot enough for him. <laughs> you mean the masseuses weren't female enough? Yeah. I mean, wasn't that his problem? Is that was, like, They weren't young. Man. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a young female masseuse, I think, was the actual was, quote. But They only have one masseuse, and it's an old man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He was, like, appalled that he had to, like, eat. And make his own dinners and things like that. Yeah. But um, I, I see Evan has a list of things yeah, over I mean, there. Yeah, just had a, a lot of lists. Just good moments. Um, we didn't bring up Lannis Cogging. <laughs> yeah. The flu game. No. The, I have a shirt of Lannis Cogging. <laughs> it's just him laying on the ice. Yeah, I can't imagine um, there's much to that shirt. <laughs> as as much as I don't didn't want to talk about Game 7 against the Wild, Game 1 was bananas. I was in the crowd for that one, and yeah. it's just back and forth. Eric Johnson saves the empty net. Stastny scores to tie it up late, and no one knew it was in the net because it was at a crazy angle, and then they went. And he was offside. I mean, the Matt Duchesne offside goal is a thing. That whole game was bananas, yeah. too. Yeah. That was Tyson Berry's first. He scored that game, I think. Um, Everybody scored in that game. It was <laughs> like Chris Mason the, and somebody uh, else, some other scrubbo <laughs> abs goal. It was like a... <laughs> Seven to five game. Um, yeah, I know. When I was watching Landis Kai, I was like, oh, that's Jonas Hiller. All right. That's, yeah. that's a name from the past. Loved uh, his masks. The all black. Uh, the outdoor game. Not not so much the outdoor game, but the alumni game. Yeah, the, the old men's game. outdoor game. The alumni game where Sackick, like busted out that wrister, and you're like, still got it. Oh, man. <laughs> I was so pumped to see Valerie Kamensky back. That was my dude growing up, and he my, scored the my first too. goal. So... That was a good time. And then Patrick Wall was still awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, like, Craig Billington stole the third period show because it was, like, two Craig Billingtons straight out of the 80s playing the stand-up <laughs> style. And it totally worked for him. I'm getting up. It was just crazy, man. Um, <laughs> Everything about that rocked. Just more recent moments. I mean, Grubauer's left left pad. Yeah, God. that was that that one's in the intro to all of my videos. It's that clip, it's so. hard to pick a moment from last yeah, season's playoff so run many. because like the McCarr's first goal, goal. <laughs> game th- everything about game yeah. three was bananas at Pepsi Center. The Grubauer left pad, like the Landeskog overtime goal to in game six to send it to game seven, where it was just like. Well, Bark Edward Vlasic scored two nonsense goals to tie the game in the third period, and you're like, yeah. you know, it has that one where a full-on slap shot that just banks off Z skate and goes in. The uh, the Grubauer thing is just every time I watch that, you just see him staring at the backland, like 
try it. Like, Why don't you try it? And he just lifts his leg up. It's just like, oh my God, he knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like I got to bring it back. The Duchesne shootout winner was awesome. If you take yeah, yourself dude. back into that moment, you're like, this guy we drafted third overall first. Year, he was the chosen one back then. Yeah. Goal, like. It's going to happen. He's going to lead us to glory. They transitioned perfectly from Sackick to Duchesne. Sackick retires, has his jersey lifted to the rafters the night of Duchesne's NHL debut. Yeah. Like, it was a perfect transition from one era to the next. Yeah. And they, they go to the postseason that year on the back of a Matt Duchesne playoff clinching goal. Like, it was... In dude, Vancouver. They, would, they could yeah. never win in Vancouver against Luongo, so... Um, and then, you know, now you look back at the end of the decade and Matt Duchesne's still playing a pretty big role in this team just with what he brought back. So um, those are just things I had written down. Uh, the 10-game win streak. That came out of nowhere? Yeah, just the um, – I don't know if I can curse, but when they're in Toronto and Z on the quote, NHL.com is shit. <laughs> but uh, – they're yeah. talking about his weight. Yeah, they, yeah. Like, they say I weigh this. I'm actually this much, or something <laughs> like that. Just the weird things they care about. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Those are just things I had written down. Just all the all the waiver wire pickups that they started Barbario, doing Nemeth, over the last Nieto. like. You're well, and like mentioning the good ones. <laughs> well, and like like the bad ones too. Like, do you remember Andrew Bodner, Chuck? Yeah. Where you're just like, Ugh. Marco Dano was a thing last year. Yeah, Marco Dano. Like Marco Dano was arguably like the last like bad decision yeah, they made. Pretty much. Well, I guess Derek Broussard. Yeah, so I, I guess, guess it's like Derek, later, Derek yeah. Broussard and then Marco Dano, and you're just like, oh, that's a pretty low impact list. Yeah, things are on the it's, way up. It's been it's been good the last couple of years, of the decade. Last thing, it's a real heater. Not, not about this take de- this decade, but next. Top of your head, over under this squad as assembled right now, making the twenty twenty Stanley Cup final, and I want to extend that. I said on the DSP the other day, the Avs will win a cup in the first half of this next decade. Agree or disagree? Agree. Yeah. If it's going to happen, I think it's going to be when McKinnon's on his deal. Yep. All right. So a lot of optimism coming into this new year that is less than three weeks away now. The Avs, this is it, man. This is the return to the golden era as far as I'm concerned. It's golden era 2.0? Yeah. Don't even need to return. Just make your own Fair enough. There you go. Blaze your own path. That's all I got for this one. Another thing that happened this decade in Colorado, though, is that weed became legal. And we got to tell you about our friends over I like great <laughs> <transition>. at my- <laughs> <laughs> Mile High Green Cross. These guys offer an experience that you won't forget. Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products. Check out this year's Cannabis Cup winning products when you head to their website. Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products from edibles to concentrates to cartridges they pride themselves on their customer service and it shows every single time you pop in you'll receive one-on-one attention with one of their seasoned sales associates not to mention they have everyday low prices on in-house products such as a 99 dollars pre-pack for an ounce a v3 hash oil bulk deals you can get five cartridges for a hundred bucks mile high green cross offers out the door pricing what they advertise is what you pay no cash no no problem. They accept hyper. And what's even better is the amount of time you'll spend in the dispensary. On average, the time from when you walk in to walk out is only nine minutes. If you just have a little bit of time to swing by,
by and pick up what you need. You can get in and out extremely quick. Be sure to head downtown and check out Mile High Green Cross today, located conveniently at 9th and Broadway, and they have their own parking in the back. And don't forget to let them know that DNVR sent you. That's it. Please, when this goes up as the recorded audio comments on it, let us know what your favorite moments or least favorite moments of the decade was as well. Happily shout you out the next time we get around to a question show. I know it's been a week or two because all you people ask about is Taylor Hall. Give us something else to talk about. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you. We'll catch you on the next one.